It's a song I like um, called The Four Horsemen, a metal song by Metallica, and it's obviously an allusion to the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the end of all time, and a very scary song um, about the terrible things the four horsemen are going to bring. And the music is very kind of scary music as well. And I thought at one point, hey, we could just about change the four horsemen to Jesus. Jesus is drawing near on fiery clouds he rides. He's come to save your life. But it's still a sort of scary-sounding song with the music and the lyrics and everything else. And I figure that's about how we tend to view the second coming as this sort of really scary, terrifying, horrible event. Except when we hear our letter from James today, they were actually looking forward to the second coming of Christ, waiting with patience for the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming with something for which they they weren't fearing for horsemen or anything else. They were longing for Jesus to return. I wonder, are we still today longing for Jesus to return, or are we largely kind of scared by the whole thing? Maybe we've forgotten something of who Jesus is, that his second coming might actually be a joyous thing. Well, if we look at what happened at Jesus' first coming, we heard from the gospel today, the blind received sight, the lame walked. Lepers were cleansed, the deaf heard, the dead were raised up, and the poor had good news preached to them. And this in and of itself, with nothing else, tells us Jesus was a good guy, and we might be happy and glad for his coming back. But there's even more to Jesus' statement to John's disciples than a list of nice things Jesus was doing. He was referring back to the passage which we heard from Isaiah today. In this passage, Isaiah prophesied that the wilderness would be glad and the desert would rejoice because deemed were going to walk there and the ransomed of the Lord would return. Now, we often read this as an eschatological, end-of-time kind of passage about God uh, fulfilling and, 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 and uh, correcting all harms done at the end of all time. But for the people hearing this the first time, he was talking about the people of Israel returning from captivity in Babylon. Creation itself was going to rejoice as the ransomed of Israel returned to Jerusalem from Babylon. They would see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of Israel's God, when the people of Israel walked through, bringing the people out of bondage. And so there was a, there was a group in this passage that was told to, uh, to encourage the captives to take heart. God would set them free from captivity. The blind would see, the deaf would hear, the mute would speak. Take heart. Isaiah was saying, and God will make all things right. Water will break forth in the wilderness. The glory of Lebanon will be there. Well, okay, the glory of Lebanon were the cedar trees and the cypress trees of Lebanon. So this wilderness, this desert, was going to be turned into a lush, fertile place. But I like to think also that the glory of Lebanon, the cedars, were the trees with which the temple was constructed. So I like to think by saying that the glory of Lebanon will be there, that God's temple, in a sense, would be in the wilderness with the people. God's presence would be with them as it was in Jerusalem in the temple. So the people are told that they're going to have something of the temple with them as they're walking through the wilderness on this journey from Babylon to Jerusalem, which recalls to mind the tent, the tabernacle, that the people of Israel had in their wilderness wanderings with Moses from their exodus from Egypt. So Isaiah is calling up images of the exodus to describe their new journey that they're going to take. And he brings new things into it, something better than the tabernacle. The temple will be there with them. 
and the glory of Carmel, he says, will be there. This is a reference to Mount Carmel, where um, Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal. 400 some odd prophets of Baal and Elijah, God defeated them very handily. So God is going to be with them in an even greater and new way than in the previous Exodus. In this Exodus, a highway will be there. The holy way, and the unclean won't pass over it. It'll be a way protected by God for his people. And the redeemed, the ransomed captives, will return from Babylon to Zion, to Jerusalem. And a highway will be there where the haunt of jackals was. This haunt of jackals refers back to the previous chapter of Isaiah, which was judgment pronounced on Edom. Now, Edom was another country back in the initial exodus, which didn't allow Israel to pass through. So they had to go around, take a much longer journey, a much more difficult journey. So Edom's going to become a haunt of jackals, and then a highway will be put into Edom where there was none before. So exactly what was not available to the Israelites in their first wilderness journey after the exodus from Egypt will be available to them in this new exodus and wilderness journey from Babylon. God would make it easier. His glory will be with them. He would drive everyone out of the way. So this journey from Babylon will be very familiar to the people of Israel. And yet it's something totally new, something like that, nothing like they had seen before. So now if we flash forward to Jesus, John's disciples ask him, Are you the one to come or are we to wait for another? And what does Jesus say? The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the, dead are, uh, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Very similar to the list from Isaiah, but with additions. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Yes, Jesus was the one who was to come, and he was something new. Jesus was fulfilling this passage from Isaiah, but in a different way than before. Rather than a prophet proclaiming what would happen or what had happened, Jesus was the embodiment of that prophet, prophet's proclamation. God becoming human and living among us was nothing that had ever been seen before or heard of before. It was totally new. And yet God had been with the people through Torah and through the temple and through the prophets. Jesus was then the human embodiment of all that had come before, the embodiment of the Torah and the temple and the prophets. All that God was and is, and all the ways that God had been with the people of Israel, God was with them again, embodied in Jesus. So Jesus was something totally new and something very familiar at the same time. So now, if we flash forward again, to the second coming of Jesus. What they talked about with anticipation in James, this cosmic event. They were waiting patiently, wanting it to happen, sooner rather than later, as soon as possible. Again, we hear about it, and typically, I at least find a little bit of fear and trepidation about the second coming. It sounds a little scary. There's going to be this thousand years of peace we hear, and that sounds nice, but it only comes after a thousand years of tribulation. Slightly less nice. There will be earthquakes and wars and famines. A great beast is going to rise. The four horsemen are going to come. Stars will fall. The heavens will be shaken. And finally, Jesus is going to come down on the clouds in glory, and one person will be left and one person will be taken. So it doesn't sound overly wonderful. It's kind of, again, a little bit scary. But these are descriptions of something the likes of which has never been seen before. 
The second coming of Jesus is something totally new, and it's earth-shattering, literally. So they've got these images that do sound rather frightening, because something entirely new is being created. But it's Jesus who's going to be coming back. The same Jesus who was here the first time, the embodiment of all that God had been with the people of Israel, is the same Jesus who will be coming again. The second coming is something totally new and something very familiar. There will be fear and trembling. I would hope so. There is any time God shows up. But it's not some scary killer demon thing that's coming. At God's coming, the wilderness and the dry land will break forth into abundance with joy and singing. The people will be strong and fear not, we're told. So, as James said, wait with patience for the coming of the Lord. Wait also with joy and excitement and gladness for the same Lord who came before is the Lord who will come again. The Lord's coming is something new, but it's also something known, something familiar, and something wonderful. Amen.